0: That's what I'm talking about. We getting it down. This technique, this ability. We are back. It is Lyrical Ones, episode 30-something, because I keep losing count week to week. It's funny. I know I should bring up my notes. Um, welcome to the Lyrical Ones. Listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Coming live on Twitch to ask questions or engage in the conversation. Um, that is what we say at the bottom of the screen, but I also got to remind those that are listening, um, catching the, re- the recording of this, Thank you. I appreciate everyone and anyone that takes the time to sit down with us. As I always say, I'm very grateful and very thankful to be here. And with that, flowing, how are you doing? Good. Uh,
1: I'm affluent I'm fluent. I'm happy to be here. Uh, sports performance coach, uh, uh, group instructor, personal trainer, wellness well community wellness guy that's me Uh, Mm. um i'm happy i'm happy to be here again on another week when we got another month uh where it's interesting always i think for me when this i see the shift in the public view and like what the media presents to us and then what's actually happening and what are we paying attention to on a local level than on a, a state and national and global level? Uh, it's just very much this carousel of things. And um, so much needs our attention and our and our energy to lift other people's voices up because there's a lot of people that's left, left out and looked over. Um, and so, like, it's it's important for me to like share this space with the, with the community. Uh, one for me to process some things that I may be feeling or going through from week to week. And then also, um, I'm really happy for our our guest. Um, but before we get to a guest Cineo, I want to know how in your gratitude, how are you navigating
0: in your gratitude today?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Gratitude is such a multi-layered complex thing to have. Um, Funny enough, I am a little lethargic, so this would be an interesting podcast. For those that have watched, maybe you could tell the difference when I'm a little, you know, in the spaceship versus when I'm down on Earth. It can be it's a variety of things, um, but more importantly, you know, the in the gratitude and the thankfulness, right? It's the it's the reinforcement of actions or the reinforcement of the world letting you know why you made the choices you've made, right? Why you committed yourself to certain things, right? Like, um. I am on, on a direct relation to you know what you have been a constant reminder of week to week my health, my physical health. Um man, my appetite is just going crazy right now. Like, i I was like when I started this thing, and my body was like getting into the idea of constraining calories and being like, hey, you don't need to eat a lot. I was like, all right, cool, we chilling. I work out or whatever. Now I'm like, I'm feeling like I work out. My workouts are so much more purposeful. Like, I'm because I'm reminded of the words you say of like maintaining form, right? And I really focus on that. And having focused on that has like kind of like jump started this engine within me where I'm like, now I'm like constantly hungry. So I'm like, right now I'm like, I know the importance of sleep, right? We all know the importance of sleep. And um, I am a late night owl. I, you know, I burn the midnight oil. You call it what you want to. But right now, it's important. It's important. I go night, night. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where that's why I'm lethargic. So, early day, been a long day, but I'm here. I'm here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. But that brings us to our guest. So our guest, right? Introduce yourself. What what brings you to Lyrical
2: Ones this evening?
1: Man, we got Steve Hong here. Steve Hong, tell us how you feeling today.
2: How am I feeling today? i'm feeling like i'm about to go on a ride i don't know where the train's gonna go but it's the right train to be on because i know your community i've been watching your stuff i've been listening to the spoken word i've been encouraged and i'm honored to be here and i look forward to seeing where this train goes
0: i mean thank you for joining us and being aboard this uh train um we do our best to not make it a hot mess so, you know, I'm glad that you were able to appreciate what we've done. And here's another one. Episode 35, because I checked the notes. Episode 35. So, you know, Alfano, what you, what now, you, can you got? You make a, can, you, to...
1: can you make a note of that, please, in your notes, I did. I wrote it down. 35? I had to write it down. All right. All right. Cool. All right. So we got Steve Hong here. Steve Hong's in, uh, in, in the community. Like, we're right now. We're in San Francisco. It's Wednesday evening and it's a uh, February 3rd, 2021. And we're recording this on a Wednesday. Steve Hong is you know, part of our community, our local community. Um, he's also in the nonprofit sector. Steve, tell us a little bit about the, uh, your focus and intention in the nonprofit sector.
2: Nonprofit sector. I'll start with this. I was looking at lyricalopposition.org's website and the mission vision statement is very similar. So I'm going to read from your website. It says, the part I really resonate with is serve the community by bringing individuals into spaces where they would not typically cross paths and to reduce biases and restore communities. So my nonprofit is called Kingdom Rice. Kingdom Rice. Rice, we're talking about rice, the staple. We're talking about how minority culture can be used for the kingdom. We're talking about how you can center uh, minority culture it is not an afterthought. It can be centered in fact when you know so my higher power is Jesus when he came even before he came, the whole history behind him, his whole genealogy kept centering as your website says the Misfits. So I want to get the theology. Some, some people call it post-colonial theologies, plural. I want to get the theology that honors people so that the gospel at its essence is, hey, God wants to invite you to a party like Prodigal Son. God wants to esteem you because of who you are. And I want to see that theology be centered into every, every space, basically. So just one example uh, I used to be part of this mission organization. It's a pretty big one. It's called Crew, formerly Campus for Christ. Just finished a book for them for uh, to help their missionary support raise. Why? Because through the years, I get missionaries emailing me saying, man, I am not white and I'm not old and this stuff doesn't apply to me. Because support raising makes the assumption that you can ask anyone and they have capital. But that's not true in spaces of people of color, MySpace is, but it's not just saying what you can't do. There's so much culturally that we can do. We can exercise patronage. We can exercise reciprocity. We can exercise things that are much more community-based because the whole word of God assumes community-based. We got to stop reading it in a very individualistic fashion that gives us the right to step on anyone's turf and to take it over. So, you think about spaces in uh, San Francisco, the former Manila town, the former Harlem West, Chinatown is going through a tough time there. Even though Chinatown is still here, once upon a time, um, the city wanted to displace Chinatown to another spot. But the story I think that brings us all together is that we believe in a story that reverses this displacement, that brings people in. So, Kingdom Rise is basically. Minority culture can can push the way forward to see these communities come together and uh, a pathway for that to happen. Nice. Uh, I'll stop there. <laughs> that,
1: that, that's good. That's that's, that's plenty. Uh, I like. I I immediately think of um people of color and their, um and their parents and grandparents. Um, and us navigating through um, broken homes and being raised by grandparents and mm-hmm. um, and how, how our patriarchs and matriarchs a lot of times it was our mothers and grandmothers who who uh, were the ones providing discipline and and then also identity for us and you know as we got older and navigated through public spaces um we then had to learn a different set of rules a different set of um skills to navigate because there's a a way that you navigate when everyone is older than you at home and then when you're around peers you have to learn how to like also be a part of community and then learn how to lead um and not just follow or um Take direction as you might at home, um, right. and I think that's like this this commonality of like we we can all be lifted up, um, you know, regardless of how we were raised, right? We could. There's always space for us to be lifted up and um, lift each other up.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. The whole storyline of the God I believe in is to lift each other up. I mean, when Jesus came, he says, I'm going to lift you up. You are stuck in your shame. You've been despised. You've been outed. You've been othered. And, you know, everyone else is saying, man, Jesus, you don't know who you're talking to because this person's dirty or This person has reasons. Jesus says, Jesus says, no, I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to honor them.
0: So when did that journey start for you was that something that was passed on to you or was that something that you kind of just stumbled upon and was a discovery that you had to make on your own right like to yeah. take on that that helm and that responsibility right that's a that's a commitment and an undertaking right and it comes with a lot so right. how did it come into your life right for you to now say, okay, this is what I'm going to do for all the people who are shunned, for the people who aren't uplifted. I'm going to take on that responsibility and that role to carry some of that weight.
2: Right. Man, how far back you want to go? I try to give all my answers in two, three minutes.
0: <laughs> we got time. We good.
2: Yeah. I just choose Just choose the decade and start from there.
0: <laughs> choose the starting point. Choose, choose yeah, when yeah. it starts.
2: I'll go with this. I, I'll give a bird's eye. I'll 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 do... I'll do some decades, and then I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a bird's eye. So when I was a kid, I didn't talk to anybody except for immediate circle. That meant that when the phone rang, once. so I'm old enough, when, when the phone used to ring, there's only one phone, and it's tied to these things called wires, like, like this <laughs> here wire right here. You can play it. You can you, you you walk it. around. I don't know if you all are old enough to remember those days when – you you had to untangle the wire. <laughs> I remember.
0: I, I remember being stuck in the kitchen. One yeah, home there you go. In the kitchen. That's it.
2: There you go. You upgraded when you got one of those long curly wires to go to the kitchen. But um, I was so shy. I was not talking to anybody because I didn't think people could accept me. I grew up the shortest kid in the class. So I, you know... You know, typical Asian narrative perhaps. Uh, once I found out that I was pretty good at programming computers, I just went for it. I applied for jobs in high school to teach computers how to use use that. I, I found acceptance through those channels. So here's this kid who didn't grow up talking at all, but taking command of computer centers in schools and teaching teachers. So I, I was that kid the kid you didn't want to play games with because I couldn't have fun because I was I, I had such a low esteem of me. Well, lo and behold, um, college, God got a grip of me because I was at some dance, and I, I saw the frivolousness of it. And um, what brought me uh, to a relationship to, to Jesus is community. Acceptance is not guilt-tripping. So none of that, um, that grew so big that I ended up getting a job as an engineer in Silicon Valley and design chips, made my dad really proud. Um, but I wanted to leave that and be a missionary. So I left that after proving myself that, hey, I don't need to be a missionary. I can follow God no matter what I do. I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to uh, escape nothing. So I left, became a missionary, was in China a good number of times. And I realized, man, we're trying to guilt trip Chinese folks with a gospel that appeals to something that Chinese folks don't respond to, and that's guilt. And then you come back to this country and you go, well, Gen Z doesn't respond to guilt either. Neither do millennials, because with Bill Clinton, Starting that generation, things were beginning to shift towards shame, and I began to see a narrative shift where, well, the Spirit's always been there. Jesus has always been there. He knew how to, he knew how to bring acceptance to shame. He knew, as you are saying, uh, 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 Alex, he knew how to lift people up. But for some reason, you know, when I was in crew, that's not the gospel we shared. We shared it very individualistically. We shared it very propositionally, and it just wasn't hitting my homies back in my home country, back in China, even though I'm born here. But I identify with them in a scary way, even though I don't speak the language. And if, and if you guys went to China with me, you, you'd, you'd get a lot more mileage with the language because they, they, they'll have grace on you. But because I look Asian, they don't cut me any slack, right? But there's grace because there's face. There's face Because the gospel knows how to reverse that shame. You can restore faith when you lift people up. And that's where I began to go, okay, that's not. So I went to seminary because what I was learning through crew wasn't resonating. What really did it for me, guys, was uh, this one year, I really found solidarity with African-Americans and my Latino-American brothers and sisters. Because we're all seeing the same thing. We're all the minority. Well, long story short, we all walked off the job or left the ministry because there's no space in, in in that year within Crew to pursue alternate ways of making space for people of color. Sound like, okay, we're reading the same Bible, but we're coming to a very different conclusion. What's up? So I went to seminary. Wow. Yeah. And discovered, man, seminary is not the most woke either, but there's enough space in seminary to realize. That, okay, there's a different paradigm to read the Bible. Not to replace, but not everything is about guilt. Like the spirit doesn't have to convict people through guilt. Because if that were true, you'd leave out the whole majority world. And you talk about who's in the world today and who the upcoming leaders are and who's graduating from college. You know, Gen Z folks, as you all know, social media, as you no, know, that's the world of faith of not being left out. FOMO, the whole 10 yards, right? Right. Oral imperative has shifted long ago. Well, not that long ago, but it's shifted from guilt to shame. And if the gospel is really good news to folks, it's got to include everybody, not just older folks who are, you know, who who come from Western worlds who believe in manifest destiny. So it, it's it's stuck in these shackles because uh, Western domination has kind of controlled theology for a long time. I think seminaries are getting more awoke to their irrelevance and they're beginning to pivot and shift. And so I forfeited my degree because it was this mounting to like thousands of dollars to take classes that weren't relevant to what I was reading in God's word. And um, that was a tough time and just, just making space. You know, when Jesus came, he gave salvation. Salvation is like another word for space. Just giving space. So you think about how the folks have been murdered this past season and they're just asking for space or asking for the mom. And and Jesus listened to each of those cries and says, I want to give you breathing space. I want to give you a room. I want to give you a look because that's exactly what Jesus did. So I'm not saying anything new. I think what I'm saying and what, what you all are about is what's always been there. But somebody's got to connect the dots to connect theology which, if they're honest, it's been there the whole time. It's just not been a compounded conversation. So the conversations exactly. that need to happen haven't been compounded to to go mainstream. So to answer a question, you know, the journey started when I was a little kid, just being outed and othered. And you know, you get into the gospel business just to sum things up here. Hey, ain't this gospel isn't this gospel supposed to be uh everyone inclusive but you come to find out that it outs people who don't want to you know follow the machine and so um see, so you got to go back to the drawing board learn the greek learn your hebrew and 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 kind of kind of deconstruct and when you put it back together it's like okay the bible's been saying this the whole time the bible doesn't exclude the you know god's ultimate story is the most inclusive story so when i'm out in the community doesn't matter if I'm with my transgen friends or whatever bars or playing my ukulele or whatnot, and people in the city, as you all know, are very suspicious towards Christianity, but they stand for good things usually. And I'm, and, and after you know I don't wear you know Christian t-shirts like this one to uh, to 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 a lot of spaces because you know people are very suspicious. But if you if, if one follows Jesus, you know it should come off you like pour like like garlic pores like you begin to smell hopefully in an attractive way and you end up with conversations because with the insurrection and stuff people people are confused out there. people want to people need to sort out what's going on because all they know all they know about Jesus is what they see and what we see is not right. looking very good. So the journey's been a lifelong journey is all I'm saying. And, no, and feel finally it. I've come to a place where I found um like you guys comrades to come alongside with, within artists, scholars, musicians. So it's a good thing. It's a new day. It's a new season.
0: No, it's definitely a new it's a new day, all right. It's a new time, new age. Um, but you brought up something that I think is like ever present in both sides of what you said right on one end you're talking about the skepticism right of being in the bay area when it comes to christianity but on the other end you're also realizing that even with your journey in christianity that those who are representing it aren't representing it in what you think may be the most inclusive way right that is still leaving people out right and so you kind of from what it sounds like sit in the middle between people who remain in skepticism Mm -hmm. but then your own personal like journey of understanding like because of me being other because of me sitting on the outside right how do i break down those boundaries right so people can feel included for them to come in for them to understand that the because you know as i've said many times i'm the the believer non-believer right so you know, I believe in a higher power, right? Whether it's a specific doctrine that's up for debate for the rest of my life, but I can understand the need for community. I can understand the need for a pursuit of one's goals, ambition, dreams, faith, right? Like having faith, right? Like I always say having hope and having faith sometimes can look very different, right? Mm-hmm. Having hope, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't have to have hope. Sometimes you just gotta have faith, right? Mm-hmm you can hope for a better day or you can have faith in a better day, right? Mm-hmm. It just sounds different. It is different.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think what I'm hearing is, is you had hoped for, right, this inclusiveness, this community, and now you have faith in creating that community, right? right? So now where does that sit in your world, right? What are the actions that you do through Kingdom Rice that create that, right? That create that space, that create that, right? you know, community right to give people that inclusiveness and that openness
2: right 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 that's a good question before i get into that and if i forget the question please remind me i just want to say folks who are skeptics sometimes because i've been there you know we all been there we just want to keep our own comfortable cul-de-sac place we don't want to displace ourselves where we got to face the truth
1: yeah we don't want to feel displaced within ourselves oh yeah right by by shifting our our vision or shifting our viewpoint, we don't want sh we don't want to alienate ourselves from within right by creating that confusion saying, well, I was this now I've become this or now I've aligned with this before right. I can understand and process, and so I'll just stay in my box or stay in my lane and right. instead of instead of shifting and finding out. Seeing myself or my lifestyle, or my choices more objectively, and saying, "Well, this community that I'm a part of, these things that they're doing, the way that they move, is really, is really harming people. It's really, um, it's really uh, alienating people. It's really ca- causing division. And it's it at some places, you know, it's it's causing it's causing harm. And sometimes it's violent. We'll say, well." I'm supposed to be a christian and i'm supposed to align with these people and then i see these same people who say they're like me right. and they're building nooses and they're they're kicking oh, yeah. people out because of how they look oh my gosh they they're yeah. this they're, 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 they're driving down the street screaming at people they say well that's not who i am like how how do i how there do is. i shift and step step there out is. of what i've known my whole life what my parents have taught me to see right. the world for what it is, or at least what someone else says, it is enough for me to listen to someone else's opinion and someone else's perspective in their story right. and respect them enough to to process it objectively and say, okay, there's another way to do this. There's another way to 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 spread the gospel or to speak life into people. There's another way to love Jesus that doesn't involve beating people up, that doesn't and Right. involve alienating or causing division there's another way to do things to to that allows people to have their rights same as mine and a lot of times right. people are scared to jump 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 off jump off into the water it's
2: and easier have that faith Senio, like you said it's, it's easier to pretend that we're the judge it's easier to stay in a cul-de-sac it's easier to stay in the abstract it's easier to forget about history It's easier not to be accountable to folks and to history. And so kingdom rights reverses all those things because I think the spirit reverses all those things. So one thing from your website, Lyrical Opposition, is how do you deal with biases? So one of our end goals is surfacing or excavating implicit biases we all have. Like even the way we use the word love, what does that mean? Well, people come from such diverse backgrounds—from the most broken to the mo- to, to um, I don't know, Cosby Show kind of family, you know, if, if you go back that far, <laughs> or what's that new movie with uh, Cosby's wife, uh, the the Christmas one, Jingo Django, something like that? You see that one? Mm-hmm. Or 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 so, even newer movie. You know, you, yeah, got, a good, was, right, yeah. you got a Jingle good right. Yeah, Jingo was on Netflix, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But Mm -hmm. the point being, we have diverse definitions of what love means. But the trouble is we don't even know what love is, how we define it, or how we've learned it from our background, from our culture, from our family. And what ends up happening is we end up imposing our brand of love. So you got these gospel programs or church sends you out. You end up imposing your own Stuff on someone else, right? So, there's three stages to kingdom rice, and it's. I'm going to use the metaphor. So, rice you think about rice in a Chinese or Asian perspective, it's all about honor because you don't eat no rice at a banquet until the most important person shows up at the party. You don't care about time. You know, you guys ever been to an Asian banquet, the invitation says 6 p.m. You don't show up at six, right? You show up when the most important person gets there. You don't leave until the most important person leaves. You don't eat the last piece of meat on the table that spins around. That goes for the most honored person. So all these are ways to lift it up. Now, that culture, in my experience, has never been married to the narrative that we're talking about. Hmm. So... Using that metaphor, Kingdom Rice has three stages. There's the invitation to the meal. You know, you know, our worth is a function of what others think of us. We can't derive our self-esteem from our own, like I hate to say this, I can't think of another example, like going to the bathroom. You can't just squeeze, you can't just Ooh, self-esteem. <laughs> We got to be invited to community because when you invite someone, it's 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 huge. So in Kingdom Rise, we invite people. We demonstrate. We invite. We engage people with God's stories, not about propositions. So, Senio, before you came on, you know, I'm honored to be here because even though I'm no spoken word artist or whatnot, I did do an art show, and people told me it meant a lot more because I designed five words that. Um, really describe my whole life. For example, these five words are miseducation. Yes, Lauren Hills inspired, you know, inspiration. Miseducation meaning I pursued for a lot of my life information, but that information means zero education until I knew the one who loved me. So it became more about not seeking information, but knowing about the one who loved me. The other five words are uh, husbandhood, work, work as a, uh, a word that basically means here's a way I can love my neighbor. Not to take advantage or colonize someone, but to love someone. Um, authenticity is another word. Um, and wilderness. You can't grow if you don't suffer. So maybe I'll share this stuff with you. You can post a if it somewhere if it's worthy. But I got art installation, I got songs. And I got stuff written up for each of these, so I've got yeah. stuff, I've got podcasts, basically stuff or just conversation, just going out to the street with my guitar, my ukulele, ever you know, and just engaging people. Uh, going out when news is hot, when prop eight passed, when what with the insurrection, nothing's open. But just valuing people, just going out, finding communities. Um, and just demonstrating that God's story holds water. You know, in my old church community, it's inviting the Unitarians over for a Sunday school class. It's um, having liturgies among the interfaith community. So I'm hanging out with the Buddhists and the Unitarians and the, and the uh, you, you know, the great thing about San Francisco is all these churches are all crammed up close together. You don't need no tour bus. You just walk to, to your neighbor. These are the neighbors. And I can say to my Unitarian friends, well, the youth in my church, they're going to say that we found our end in Jesus. And the Unitarians, they'll be down with that because they believe everything. And that's cool for, for them. And the great thing is I can, um, I can share their story from my own lips. I don't have to agree with it, but I respect you. I want to lift you up. I want to lift up your story. So there's a lot of different ways where we, in a sense, invite people into a space And this is a space that includes everything what we've been talking about. So the next stage is we got to prepare the table. We got to prepare the banqueting table. So you got the invitation. I want in. You got to prepare the table. Okay, now we're looking at from a kingdom rights perspective. We got programs. We got things we can do that's going to command some mutual commitment. So now we're looking at schedule, strategy, calendar, budget, to see what works. We're checking each other out. We're building trust. You know, we're doing what we're doing here in this broadcast. We're building trust, talking to each other, disclosing our stories. So we're preparing the table for the last stage, and that is come and eat. Come, sit down. Nice. And that's where we get down to business. So, for example, recent things we've done is I started some cohorts online And these cohorts have three goals to re-examine the lens by which we see other people, the lens by which we see ourselves, and finally, the lens by which we see our our higher power. So let me expand each one a little bit. The lens by which we see other people. So we're just telling stories of how we grew up and the kind of people that we avoided because our folks would avoid these neighborhoods. Or they go, don't play with these kids. They don't get it. Don't play with these kids because they're gonna be a threat to your educational pursuit. Don't you know? You know what I'm saying? And right. You find these biases start when you're a little kid.
1: Yeah. You
2: know? And it makes,
1: and I think it makes uh, the the experience of childhood like so so simple when it's really complex. When you start to segregate and separate children from each other. You know in any sense right like life is not a simple thing life is complex and kids love telling stories right say what happened when you got home until they get to a, a point where they don't they don't want to talk about it anymore and i think well, you know how it is alex
2: you know when you're kindergarten age they did a study and was, they didn't they didn't say talk about this there's just creativity just pouring out of kids stories right. creativity everything and because of our, or is it beta? I have a, what, somebody you interviewed interview was talking about this, but because of our industrial education system, we sucked all that God-given creativity out of these poor souls. So it's a chance yeah. to go back and go, where did this come from? How did I learn to see other people and to separate the good from the bad? Yeah. You know, this is basic therapy one-on-one, but you don't need to pay the big bucks to see a shrink. This should be done in community. So that if you pay the big bucks, you know, you can, you can, you can actually get some, get some work done. So that's the first lens. Second lens, how do you see yourself? You see yourself as beloved, see yourself as a piece of dirt, see yourself like myself as Mr. Spock, just a workaholic. You know, by the time you're an adult, you got your escape patterns all figured out. You don't have to think about it. That's where you go. You go shop. You go eat. You go gamble. You go whatever, right? Where did all that come from? So we go back and we use the word excavation. So we're telling stories. We're excavating stories in community. And so what we're doing is we, for example, I'll be really specific, just, just one here, but we'll separate people out by family background so they can form a consensus story To feel the experience, hey, these folks grew up in this kind of family just like me. And then these folks over here who grew up, you know, not eating together at all are like, man, these folks are just like me. But the real key thing is learning from each other. Man, there are these different stories in this community that are so diverse. The way we learn to love, the way we learn to solve problems, the way we learn to trust. And then lastly, you know, I can go on forever, but the lens by which we see God in this country, in in the Western world, is so individualistic. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my Sunday experience. And it's all about reading the Bible from a very individualistic experience. I mean, the fact that we don't even have a second person plural pronoun unless you read the Southern version from the South, the you all version, right? (laughs) But, like every other version has the second person plural you know Chinese Spanish, you name it, which says something about our culture, western culture now that's huge uh because if you if you can get away from that and start reading the Bible as you know well what's going on is we're we're analyzing the bark and we're missing the whole forest, and so that's why you can get a a a president who's just Uses it at his whim, takes photo ops with it, and says whatever you want to say because you can get away with it. Because if you parse it down enough, you can, you know, you can you can manipulate anyone's words to say what you want to say. Right. So it's just coming to terms with that. So that's where we're going. It's 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 we're doing that for missionary missionary organizations. We're doing that for the YMCA. We're doing it for um, churches. We're doing it for anyone who's willing to go through the process. Uh, before the pandemic, I'll put people into neighborhoods and I'll let people uh, discover that man, I've been all about colonialism. I have missed the story of West, Ar- Har- West Harlem on Fillmore. I missed the whole story right. of Chinatown. I missed the whole story of Kearney Street. I missed, I missed the whole story of Tenderloin. I miss all the kids, more kids per capita. I miss I, I missed all that because I've been just thinking about barbecue pork buns. I've been thinking about the best soul food. I've been thinking about the best sushi. I've been thinking about, you know, which are good things. But you're gonna miss the laundry hanging upstairs. You're gonna miss the mirrors that shine that evil spirit back at you. You're gonna miss the altars in the restaurants. You're gonna miss the music. You're gonna miss the incense. You're gonna miss yep.
1: the, the soul of San Francisco yeah you got it you, you'll you'll miss it standing in lines for brunch standing in lines for 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 dinner you know right. and yes it's, and before the pandemic it was 4300 restaurants and like we lost like half of them yep. and and a lot of those restaurants have been you know been around for for decades you know some of them before I was yep. born and like they were staples in their communities but also they were communities within themselves oh yeah you know, some of those buildings and some of those establishments where there were communities within themselves. And, and it's like, I know I'm guilty of it at times too, like not taking the time to like stroll through some of the neighborhoods that I used to walk through, you know, and, and I think that's something like I still hope that other people get to do, you know, is is walk through our neighborhoods and, and see the story of San Francisco, because like like you said, I think a lot of the city helped me identify and acknowledge how I saw myself. Right, right. You know, having different cultures around me. Um, walk used to walk through Chinatown in high school. Used to walk through the Mission. Yeah. You know, you know, walk through the Excelsior. You know, ride my bike through Bayview, and and it was and it's wild, just like so much of that is you know who i am and at the right. same time like last year i got to really see myself differently outside of just being a worker who's you know a millennial and you know just trying to you know pay rent
2: right right, right.
1: i right. Got, i got to be more than that i got to be you know a, a brother and a friend right and a partner and right. and an uncle Right and a right. nephew right. and a grandson, right. right? I got to be a friend yeah. and allow yeah. others to be a friend to me, you know, and be yeah. supported. Last year yeah. and yeah. like that, that yeah. lens, I think, is is so it's important so to important like to steadily understand. look through and say, how am I defining myself, and and then also, yeah, how do we see others, you know, and how do how do they see me, and then, and like they say, the closest you'll get to God on earth is the person across from you. Yep. Yeah. Right, so like, so am so, I seeing God and the person across from me? Am I seeing the divine and the person across from me, right. regardless of how they dress, regardless of their job, whether they got a vest on or they're in a pantsuit, mm-hmm. you know, got shoulder pads or a uh, gold tee, right. right. Regardless of, you know, how they're looking. Am I seeing, am I seeing God across
2: from me? Hey, that's right. That's right.
0: I mean, uh, even more so, what is it, given that, you know, you both touched on it, but for you, what is the thing that keeps you anchored to do this here in San Francisco, right? Especially given the world that we live in now, where this past year has proven we are free to explore. Like, what are the things that keep you anchored here to say, you know what, this is where I'm going to do it, right? Whether it's building a solid foundation or saying, this moment that's what it is what are those things
2: right well there's several layers to that uh probably the biggest most important is community starting with my family uh alex mentioned the community we're a part of kairos y'all can check it out it's probably you guys can stick it in whatever chat below or whatever um and also san francisco by itself you know alex was mentioning this is uh well i say it like this it's a launching pad for everything we're talking about because you can't hide. I didn't even know what a gated community was to move to L.A. Oh, my gosh. People live behind gates. Man, now they trap the crime inside, you know, sometimes. But, you know, uh, you're forced to mingle. You know, everybody takes Muni unless you work for Google. I mean, you know, everyone's got to stand and smell each other's armpits, you know, there's no escaping. And so it's, a. I mean, arguably for you SoCal friends out there, if you're listening, you know, LA and all might be more diverse, but you can stay in your car, even to take mass trans, you got to drive to the station, right? But SF, you know, you don't drive to the minibus stop, you know, you're you're right there. And so you can't turn it off. Um, it's, it's a lot more difficult to turn it off. And so what happens here ought to springboard to the whole country. Now, as you all know, for decades, folks who call themselves Christians, I say that nicely, we've been, living the, we've been leaving the city. We look at San Francisco, we call it names, Sodom, Gomorrah. Um, the joke is people left both coasts and they met in the middle. It's called Colorado Springs. So I got friends living in Colorado Springs who are true Jesus followers, and and I gotta be careful saying this, but it's difficult to find folks who are following Jesus who aren't caught up in the system. Give them the game, Steve. Give them the game. <laughs> tell them what it is. I'll listen to that. Tell them what it is. They, they well, don't, I'm they just don't, answering the question. I'm answering the question. Uh you guys interpret, you guys can take the next level. But um yeah, that's what keeps me anchored here. We got the potential here we, to, to flip things around. So there's a compounding of people of color, urban theology. This is the frontier, the city. Folks who don't fit in mainstream, that's the frontier. That's the way it's always been. Cities are ordained in San Francisco. You can't hide. It's seven by seven miles. You got to face reality. Now, that said, there's a lot of broken things. I, when I was growing up, there's a lot more, say, African Americans, 20 some percent, a lot more kids, 20 some percent. Now it's less than 10% for both. Maybe add it together, still less than 10%. I think you add up African Americans and kids together. Uh, I think mm, it's yeah. less, It's it's right around 10 probably. Yeah, yeah. If you add both together.
0: I mean, you're right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you yeah, might be you can, not right even if you're not right, it feel that way. That's yeah, how yeah, it is, it. right? Like, it. that's the thing, is that, you know, you bring up a really good point about, um, you know, what makes you stay versus, you know, what has kind of led some of your friends to leave. And it is a thing where, you know, like, I agree with you, like, there is the most room for potential for so much given uh, the fertile ground that's been laid, right? There's been so much around this kind of being, like, in some capacities, the last frontier, right, for that, you know, people often associated with the liberal mindset, right, with that sense of being forward-thinking, of being progressive, of trying to evolve kind of what is the social norms, or what does the culture look like for people who want to progress and make change, and that hasn't left, because, you know, seeing the changes that have happened recently, where people have left, a lot of times they leave because, You know, this is a situation that, you know, as much as they needed to be here for work, they didn't really want to live here as much as they appreciated the surroundings. They didn't want to be a part of the community. Right. Like it was one of those things where it was nice to partake in food, but not really break bread. Right. Right. Consumer
2: perspective.
0: Yeah. Straight consumer perspective. Right. And that's that's, you know, before for those that didn't know, we were on Clubhouse earlier. We had a pre-game show. Right. We have the pre-show on Clubhouse. And we actually were talking about that, about society's kind of the United States uh, kind of identity around consumerism and the individualism, right? You brought that up earlier about individualism, but touching on that consumerist mindset of consumption and taking in and then not being able to see like, okay, how is this impacting the world around me? How is my participation in this larger social narrative being somewhat harmful So, right, people being in part of this this community, right, this global community, this local community, this statewide community. But in this conversation, for those that don't know, episode 35 with Steve of Kingdom Rice, we are from San Francisco, right? This is the Bay Area we're talking about, right? We're talking about the device that you're probably using to watch this. It kind of came from here, right? Like we are the byproduct. We are ground zero for this. Enigma, the symbiotic relationship that we share with technology, right? Yet us being here, right, is beyond the technology, beyond the boundary of like, well, what is the demand? The demand is community, right? Relationships, right? People left because maybe they had relationships elsewhere. Maybe they wanted to foster relationships elsewhere, right? Maybe they wanted to have community elsewhere because they didn't identify with the community that was here. And that's understandable. But at the same time, when it comes to innovation, when it comes to forward thinkingness, right? Like in the most indirect and passive ways, I mean, when you look at the leader of the free world, they had to pair up with somebody who was from the Bay, right? You have to think that there's purpose behind each step and each thing that's done, these decisions and these choices. And I think that we have to keep in mind that you know the Bay is a part of the equation of a lot, right? Like, yeah, a lot of people left the bay. A lot of companies left the bay, right? But not everyone, not everything is is changed. Not everything is done, right? There's still an evolution happening. And I think you you made good mention and good points to say that in the capacity of understanding faith, of understanding how do we make a progressive, more inclusive, more thoughtful way of, of practicing our faith, of practicing what is it that we see as being the gospel, right? And I think that uh it's important for people to be aware of these conversations because it is a thing of breaking down those boundaries. Cause the thing I wanted to say was the Bay area has had a lot of skepticism due to the fact that we have such a high analytical threshold, like people out here, right. It's not, it's not just skepticism, it's scrutiny, right. They go hand in hand, right. It's about, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to be forward thinking, then we have to tear down what are the what are kind of the outdated things and it's like in your own sense it sounds like you found your way through that in christianity where it's like okay these are the things the tenets the pillars that people are holding up and you're realizing this ain't the way right we're just holding on to what was passed on to us not what actually was there not the foundation of where we're all trying to reach so to me like what are the things that provoke you right, in what you do, right? What are the things that rile you up and get you charged up to take it on? Because you seem like a person, right, who kind of is bucking the norms in so many different ways, right? Whether that's, you know, not feeding into the model minority, which we've talked about on the podcast before, right? Like, oh, let me just go with the flow, right? You've totally been like, oh, I see what they did in Silicon. I did it and I'm out. I'm no longer a part of that. Now I'm going to I'm going to go on this journey and discover what God is to me. Oh, I see what y'all doing. I ain't with that. So now given that level of like, yeah, I see it. I appreciate it. I can accept it for what you have. I just don't have to practice. What are the things that motivate
2: and push you to keep doing this? I hear it. Going back to the metaphor. Well, let me comment on one thing. We keep on thinking that we can do it better as if, As if things unfold in a linear way. As if history doesn't repeat itself. As if we're not accountable to history. I mean, with the recent news nationally, people are pulling up history because we got to be accountable. So to answer your question, what keeps me going, what provokes me, is uh, you, I mean, you guys been to restaurants in San Francisco where, man, I got to keep coming back. (laughs) ain't no burrito like that place on mission street Ain't no soul food like that you know well all i got here is hard knocks but uh you know i've been to places down in your hood and you want to go back you know yeah so you taste you talk about god's story and you taste and see that this is good this is good i don't need to be shackled by this and you yourself experience that salvation, that breathing room. So you can give others some rope. Um, it's it's a freedom that grows nice. daily. That's not to say you don't go through seasons of hell in the wilderness, but you need that picture on their side. Now, if you look at my art installation for wilderness, it depicts there, you don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. But then we got someone who understands uh, what it means to suffer. And so that keeps it going. Community or Jesus himself. When I'm in hospital rooms praying for people who may not share, you know, my way of life. But I can be here because we can empathize on the same things. So it's, I mean, we're talking the most concrete stuff i think where we get in trouble is again you we, we move away we want to get away we want the big yard nothing wrong with that in and of itself like you know you can own your beamer and have your cake you can take the google bus but you got to steward that for the bigger story what are you gonna do what do you show for at the end of the day jesus is gonna separate folks based on who's gonna show up who's gonna visit Who's going to stand with the marginalized? Who's going to stand with the misfits? Who's going to stand in solidarity? Uh, Because if you have that perspective, the fruit's going to come. And so there's this richness. That's the banqueting table. You know, it's based off a book that you don't hear a lot of folks preaching on, Song of Solomon. But, you know, Jesus is setting a banqueting table for all of mankind. And the people who feel it the most are the Folks who are the most misfit. So that's what keeps me going. It's it's not so much a promise that's deferred. So the Bible, Hebrews eleven says, "Hey, these folks like Abraham, these folks, they didn't get the full return on the Im- investment until the very end." And I'm like, "Yeah, but they got they got enough cash out, not as we see it, but you know, all those guys were honored." by by god in the present life right even it depends on your metrics you know for a lot of folks senior leader uh, alluding that a lot of metrics kind of push people out because it doesn't align with the things we're talking about in this room
0: no definitely definitely and i mean it's a it's thing fair. where you know, because you said it, it was like we could do better. Right. This is a place of innovation. This is a place of, you know, that scrutiny. Right. Going back to the skepticism, the scrutiny and then that that sense of I we could do better. Right. Or I could do better. And I think that is one of the most important things about being from here is that constant need and urge and push to want to grow, to do better, to be better, to see how far can we take our limits and expand those boundaries um, because it's important, right? The boundaries grow, right? They don't They don't reverse, right? This was once called the new world to some, right? It, it ain't nothing new about any of this now, right? There's, there's discoveries being made every day, but it's only for our constant push to go deeper or to go further, to go higher. And I think that that also manifests itself in everything we do, right? Whether it's what you take in, or what you put out, right? What do you believe in? You know, because whether whether you see it or not, you believe something. Right. Even if you say you don't, that's debatable. That's right. Out. We, yeah. yeah. We can we can get into the weeds about what that really is, because, again, there's a there's a world where no idea to some degree is original, but we can find new ways. We can innovate on those ways. We can expand on those ways. And, you know, things can be created from it. And I think that, you know, you bring up and showcase right the energy. Right. It, it, it vibrates on the screen in terms of your passion, in terms of how it about it you are, for lack of a better terms, because, you know, a lot of people will say this is kind of what they hold on to. But it it shows up when you light up and you become charged from the words that you speak, knowing that, you know, this isn't just conviction, right? This is the essence of who you are at the core. And I think that's important for people to realize and pay attention to, because we oftentimes, especially being from the bank, we get so caught up in the word Christianity, we don't. Really take time to break down what is the meaning or what is the person trying to show us and trying to display on the screen or what are they trying to present in front of us or what is the message that they're saying or how do they carry themselves or what is it they're practicing. And I understand, trust me, I've had my instances where it's people they try to sell you one thing, right? Like it's God, but you know, God wants you to do this for me, right? And it's like, hold on, wait a minute, how that makes sense? I just I just had like a, a real deep conversation on like all these complex because that's another thing that we do. Great. We have really good conversations about breaking down things in the world. It's, it's integrated in our schools. It's integrated in, in our in our way of, edu- of like learning. Right. It's having a breakdown of what it is we just read. Right. Reading comprehension one on one, having an open class conversation and dialogue. And then you expect me on Sunday to not maintain those same practices when I come into a space. Where you know you're, you're you're speaking about faith, but how much is this you trying to use this as a vehicle, right? right. Versus right. how much I need this vehicle to get me to where I want to go, right? right? It's a
2: big difference,
0: right? you know, so I, you know,
2: If if you've never displaced yourself, I w- I won't trust you. If you've never never been out there, then you're then it's all cognitive, and that's not the way Jesus designed knowledge. You know, folks will rattle. The, The dude, uh, Rich Young ruler was the the, the A Sunday school dude that you're talking about. And so Jesus hits him with, no, man, I'm going to show you that your perspective is all about you. That when it comes to relating to your higher power, um, you're going to get an F and you're not going to admit that. So you're going to walk away depressed. That's what you're talking about.
0: I mean, and that's, and like, you know, people don't, if you haven't caught it, right, it's that idea of what is it, like, is it the information, or is it the outcome of what the system has been created on, right, like, like, at the education system, for example, right, we have this word education, and then you bring in system that, that then dictates, okay, there's this pecking order, right, of, what is important or how it's important and not in terms of the individual aspect of how do I convey this information so you can retain the information so you can do something with the information, right? The focus and the importance is the letter, the grade, right? The GPA. And so you speak to that by saying like, through this example, of Jesus is like, is it because you have this love in your heart? Or is it because you just want to see gratification in the moment of just saying, I'm right again, I'm right again. I got it right. Right. And then when you're not right, your ego is so wrapped up into it. Right. That it's not about how can you learn. Right. How can I learn from this? No, it's about, no, I got it. I, I I got it. Oh, I don't have it. Well, then what does that say about me instead of it being? Well, what does it say about us? What does that say about who taught you? What does that say about who got you here? What the practice was? And I think that's really key And, you know, you just threw it out there, but it's so important because oftentimes, you know, we don't think about it in a sense of like it's us. Right. We think of it as, well, no, I lost instead of no, I'm trying to I'm trying to show you this is what it is for us together. Right. It's not like you're in isolation. It's not that you just got it all the time. It's about, well, sometimes we're wrong and let's process that and let's grow in that. And I think that that's important you know, just for people to understand and have, because we live in a society right now where society, right? The things that we hold on to have failed us. They were wrong, right? They were wrong in so many ways. And now we have to figure out how do we correct that? I mean, you know, what What does it do? You, would you say that you live in protest or is a protest, you know, kind of something that you engage in in different capacities at different times? Like, what does that look like? Nice.
2: It's a good question. My nonprofit, we steer away from the word protest or dismantle or confront, but we transcend. We transcend the existing systems because I trust the human heart is going to gravitate. It gives agency. So one, here's a few ingredients you need. One, you alluded to this, Proximity. You need vision. You've got to have a picture of what this meta narrative looks like in this specific context. If you don't have proximity, there will be no influence, because somebody could be going down with this distorted m- metric, as you're talking about. And you can go to lecture one hundred and one, and you know, masterclass on YouTube, tell you are blue in your face, and nothing's going to happen without proximity and a vision. And I trust God designed the human heart is going to choose the family that's going to accept you. You're going to receive that invitation. So, uh, you know, everything else becomes a tool. The tool is speaking out, advocacy, protests, etc. cetera. And, and the reason I put it in that order is otherwise, you know, to be honest, you kind of start moving towards the dark side and, and you got to keep up your anger to feel all this action going on. And, uh, you know, when you... Start going through your years, you're gonna run out of energy real quick. Go run out of gas. Yeah, you're gonna run out of gas. I think God designed that to, you know, it's like a starter motor to get us going. So we react to anger, and you know, but long term, you need some. You you got to work on yourself long term. Build your spiritual core. Know who you are, what you're feeling, being in a moment. is one thing I noted with the way you host, folks, Senio, just. Or staying in a moment. And I knew it would be a gift to me because I know what we're gonna talk about. Just come on the show and I seen you do it for other people. And it's 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 a it's a good ride.
0: I mean, it's a process of discovery, right? Allowing discovery to happen. I think that is something you gotta grant yourself permission to enjoy, is enjoying the process of discovery. Um, whether it's you know there's so many things unknown but i think once you start to discover those things and unravel those things we have a true level of community right communication comprehension and the context of how those things exist right that that defines what the house is or what it looks like and how you enter it and whether or not it's for you right sometimes it's to visit sometimes it's to just admire sometimes it's to observe yeah the choice is yeah. And I think that, you know, that's kind of what this is about is having these these conversations, creating the dialogue and having the space because you are definitely out there representing and showing up for people who need it. Right. For the misfits, for the outsiders and giving them a sense of belonging. Right. Giving them a sense of you know, just, just validation, right. To, to know that they were seen, right. To know that they were embraced and to know that there was something there for them beyond the moment, I think is a amazing and beautiful thing. And, you know, I know it's been, it's been some time, but you know, what is it that, you know, through this conversation that you hope people are able to take away from who you are?
2: Hmm. I had an answer for that about ten minutes ago. Then it left because he got talking about something else. <laughs> takeaway: um, Here's one takeaway I think about. You know, we want to see change. We we can't sustain the way we are. But where I've seen us dry up is uh, we're not willing to excavate our implicit biases or to to check to check at the door. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's the biases I bring. You know, when I go to these um, debates between people running for office or whatnot, it's all about ideas. I don't know how to relate to people. You know, the the insurrection has surfaced a lot of that in that sphere. So true colors come out. That's what I want to know. So when I'm in these spaces, that's why I ask people. But it starts with us starts with us. It starts with us um, doing the work and begin to exercise um, and building up a spiritual core. like who who, who what defines me? Where, where do I feel vulnerable? Where have I sought acceptance? Where has that failed me? Uh, what can I do about that? Right. You know, what do I think about suffering? My own suffering. You know, where do I run when I suffer? Do I hide? Do I withdraw? You know, what's been my family history? What's been my church and cultural history? You know, just name in some things. Like, we can name systemic racism all we want, but I think it starts with we got to name our own stuff. Not throw it all away, but sort out the good, reclaim, find some space, and do some good.
0: One hunted like if anything people listening for the for posterity of the future for you know historical context really do a deep dive in the self-inventory of you really look at the foundations and the blocks that you were brought up on because there might need to be an exchange of some things of some materials it might be shaky And and there's a possibility it could be imperfect and it's not about the perfection, but it is about the safety. It is about the sustainability. It's about, it's endurance. Right. And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this isn't going to work. Right. What my mother told me as much as I love her, maybe wasn't complete. Maybe it wasn't most informed. Maybe what my mentors were giving me or my family was showing me or the world around me was trying to, leave at my foundation actually wasn't for my foundation. And I think that's so important excavating your implicit bias, right? Because if you don't, you don't realize how complicit you become, right? You don't realize that that might be the blind endorsement for a demise. And I say that because coming from the city, coming from the Bay Area where I grew up with protests, I'm so happy you said transcendence. Because a lot of times that, that, that focus on being riled up just means you are acting out in pain that is unresolved. You're, you're now living in a, in a level of pain that goes unnoticed or it becomes an echo chamber for the choir that's singing chaos, right? And because if that
2: pain is unaddressed, there goes your addiction cycle.
0: I need this protest. I need this protest for me to feel validated, to feel identified, to have an output. But how much of that is real change? How much of that is a conversation for us to discover middle ground and create harmony and create community? And how much of that is me against you, right? Me now creating you as my adversary and my story to fit this unrealistic narrative, right? It's like, I've seen it happen so many times where someone wants to point the finger of blame instead of one looking at oneself and saying, "Okay, what is it that I'm willing to admit where I went wrong? So when I come to you, I can tell you what I'm willing to work on myself. So now we're coming on equal terms because if I'm going to hold you accountable, I got to hold me accountable first. I got to be the one to practice it. Right. It goes into love. If I'm going to love you, I have to know how to love me. Right. I have to know what that love is. Going back to what you said at the beginning. What is, what is your definition of love, right? Because if we're saying it, that's one thing. But if I know where it comes from and how you're going to use it, then I know what I can request from you or how responsible I can hold you to saying, hey, I need you to represent us. We're not just representing you, right? We have to really look deep, really explore those things. And so I'm, I'm asking people like, yo, listen to this. Listen to what was said review it again right i'm taking notes as we're having the conversation because it's important to understand that yes the protest as important as it is it's the outcome that we're aiming for it's not to stay in that practice right it's to transcend it right that we're we're protesting because of harm yeah But are we living in harm and are we perpetuating harm and are we keeping up different levels of harm for the sake of feeling that sense of community or that sense of gratification or finding that weird validation that may be in unsustainable? Right. Maybe it's not the consistent practice or approach because love at the end of the day is what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to find harmony. We're trying to find health. We're trying to find level of peace, joy, whatever that is for you. But it's not you going at ah, that hurt, all oh, that hurt. Now I'm mad, I'm riled up, and I'm ready to, I'm ready to pounce.
1: Right, and that's sometimes that's all the protest is. Like, and people can pro, you can protest within your community, you can protest within your home, and that's not where the work happens. It's after that protest. It's after that, that acknowledgement that there is harm being done, whether by you or to you. You acknowledge that that harm is happening in the community, in the space, and then you say, "I want to make space for healing. I want to make space for love." And I love that you use that word, salvation, in space—you know, synonymously, Steve. That, like,
2: I think it's a Hebrew word. Yeah, yeah, synonymous.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. The opposite is one that chokes. It's stealing. It's quenching.
1: Scarcity, right? Right, and says, and Jesus says, I want to give you life more abundantly, right? With more space, right? With more, with more salvation, right? So, like, and right. Got it. and and like, even in relationships, right? In between, right? Child and parent, right? Which is important to say. This is there's harm happening, but also we want to transcend this harm. I don't want to spend the time talking about the harm, right? I want to spend time talking about the healing, right? I want to give my energy, and my focus, and my passion, right? My time and my my intelligence, right? My plot, my critical thinking to the healing, and that can happen as a group. That can happen as 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 an individual it can happen in community, but it, there has to be a collective intention. And we have to say it also within the protest that we want healing. Right. Which is like it's not just it's not just justice, right? Justice is prevention. Right. That's when we bring justice into the home. That's when we bring justice in the community. Right. When there's prevention happening. When there's when there's like when there's prevention so no one has to get shot where no one has to steal right where where no one has to deal you know substances right where no one has to use right where no one has to abuse where we create a world where that, that prevents those things from happening right, right. through a ad- right. address addressing <laughs> needs and then ad- addressing the the harm in the first place. Say so what are the conditions that allow these things to happen? At least these things, right? And that can be in a relationship, in community, and it can it can be in neighborhoods. It can be in 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 our in our city, in the city of San Francisco. We we know because again, right? There's no gates. There's no separation. It's all right there. We're all on top of each other. You can say these are the conditions that are allowing this harm and this injustice to to coexist amongst the love that we want to have. Right. We want to have this love. Right. We want you say we want to love each other. We want to be the city of love. We want to be like the sixties and you know, hate Ashbury and we we want that. But like are we are we doing more to have food programs outside of the food bank. Right? Right. Okay. Right. Right? Are we going to where people are hungry, right? And saying, "How can we help you
2: feed yourself?" Right. And doing those things not just to feel good. Nah. No, no. Nah. Because you're, you're, what you're saying, Alex, is well beyond behavior modification. We cannot be satisfied. And I'm going to say something not- controversial. We, we got so to go is, beyond. This is, that, this is that city where we're not satisfied, right? This is that right, place. Right, right. That's right. Go ahead. You gotta go beyond what does justice serve? Let me ask you that. Right. What does it serve? They are the other theme we picked up on. Well, for folks who are just tuning in. It serves everyone. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, it serves it serves everyone, community. And it is not it's not one extreme or another. Right. Just as individual and collective, it's not either or. You gotta you're responsible, we're responsible, but we gotta do it in community. Otherwise you end up with a bunch of yes men or echo chamber. Right. I mean that's what cul-de-sacs are for, to protect right. you from from uh forces. Cold is echo chamber. Yeah, yeah. You know, once upon a time, there, there there's no uh, suburban living. You know, everybody was in community. Doesn't matter if you're from the farm, from the south, from the city. You know right there's no that's free right. ways to escape you know once upon a time that's true no
0: you're right you're right about that people then created all these boundaries that were not just boundaries they were limits they were governors right to prevent to circumvent to create control community ain't communities in control when the community everyone's playing their role right Right. What happens is someone decided to cut in and say, We need y'all to play by different standards. We need you to value things differently. We need you to value things according to what would benefit our value system. Right.
2: Right. Or you start conspiracies and throw away everything that promoted the things that were good. So you think about all the conspiracies we've had just, you know, last few decades. And we're yeah. trying to get we're trying to we're trying to go back. So that's good news. People people know people are woke to this yeah but we've destroyed a lot Is
1: yeah and takes- it, and it haven't we haven't seen a lot of examples of that that transcending the protest right we haven't seen a lot of examples of the the transcending moving past the harm to to the healing right as a group right we need to see that in communities like i think there's not enough so stories about right exactly right the healing within the community that's that is per, perceived to be dilapidated right yeah. perceived to be empty perceived to be right struggling and to create right these small communities within the neighborhood and say right we are we don't live together right but our zip codes are near each other we are in this city and we are doing it together right and we're existing in communion with each other by our communication, right? And us looking for future, looking toward the future, looking for growth, looking for space together, looking for resources to be capital for each other.
2: That's right, that's right. Interdependent, uh, you got to work together. You got to, you know, part of makes a big deal and those who are passed over, easily forgotten well you gotta lift them up a little bit more
0: yeah Yeah. oh that's real that's real i mean you kind of hit a lot that i I feel like uh has been important for me to hear but also i think for others to know and be aware of just because it's it's so there's so many things that go into it and and it's about that, you know, look at where the we are in the world, right? Like people are finding new ways to engage. People are finding new ways to protest. People are finding ways to connect. And sometimes, right, the intention means well, but I don't mean the outcome will be the same. And I think, you know, it's, it's something that we have to You know, take that self inventory, be very careful of looking within ourselves and, you know, really addressing, like, what are the things we hold on to that are that may be holding us back that are preventing us from that growth or from being able to find that thing that we're looking for um, to create that sense of self? Because, you know, essentially, that's what it really is. It just, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm maybe I'm out of pocket. Maybe I'm not in tune. But it seems like that's what people around me from my observations are really struggling with right like i'm in a position where i've come to learn for myself society does not serve me in a wholesome fashion in a holistic sense i have now taken upon myself to create the tools necessary to break out of those boundaries right they put me in it right go to school be anything but let's give you a menu of to choose from And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Right. And they're like, no, you can. And it's like, but I'm telling you, I can't based off of what you've given me, based off of what I have access to, based off of the context of what I'm growing up in. You just want to throw a blanket statement on me and say I can participate when I actually have other things going on that are preventing me. And those things are being addressed. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to protest. I'm going to live in protest. I'm going to be in protest. Oh, I realize Y'all protesting, too. And I don't agree with y'all protests. I got to go. I can't do the protest no more. I got to find new ways to engage. I got to find new ways to challenge, to find that transcendence. Right. And I think that, you know, people, when you got the supports and you're able to transcend given what's what's here. Great. That's beautiful. That's amazing. It's not to say you won't have your challenges. We're here for that, too. But I I notice there's a lot of people who are who are realizing right? It's almost like that uh, that get out moment, right? Where the camera flashes and then there's that struggle with the two selves, right? There's you and then there's this created version of you, right? The authentic you is dying to come out. And this created version of you that society has tried to dictate is in conflict because within your heart, you know, this isn't me. This isn't who I really am, right? And I mean, of course, it's a movie that people find engaging and entertaining, but it was, to me, a metaphor on identity. story right there.
2: Stuck in a Western gaze. Hmm. Not knowing who we are. You know, I'll I'll say this. Uh. (laughs) I'll just say this. The African-American story gave words and rhythm and rhyme to my story and to my family's story because my people have not developed it that far we're strong with family you know things like that strong in other ways but we're not strong in telling our own story and the way we got to this country was you know pre-65 before all our times you couldn't come here without faking an identity literally there's no other way that's why you got in Chinatown that's why you got all the associations no wonder there's mistrust. There, no wonder you, you have what you have. Right. No wonder my cultural people are non sympathetic to others because we're not hearing uh, the other stories are so different.
1: The other origins, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that's the ploy of the evil one to keep these stories separate on parallel tracks.
0: Context, so in the
2: context. So baby, and you got the China, fo- you know, you got the trash can, dude, you, you, you know, you see stories all the time and the conflict, just symptomatic of what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Not knowing why, not knowing how it came to be. Right. Not knowing what does survival look like. Right. On a cultural level. Right. There's a there's a reason why people came here and people forget or don't know or can't see why. And I think it's so important for us to break down and know the why, because then you realize what motivates all those other actions, those habits, because it's survival at the end of the day. And survival does look different depending on where your starting point is, right? It's different variables. Those things create the context. And if you don't have that, then yeah, you look at that guy as why, why he doing that, right? Why he always, and it's like, instead of, oh, well, because of all the things he went through, this is what's led him to be in this moment right now. Whereas what I've been through has led me to believe or to See, feel or to do.
2: said We don't have empathy because we don't empathize our own story. You know, we reject our own story or oblivious to it. We're on autopilot, which is a very dehumanizing thing to do. And you know, if you're I don't know when the show ends, but you asked me to summarize the second big point. The first is, you know, to to inventory yourself. The second is to um the last thing I'll just say is, and I think it's what we've been saying is to scrutinize your meta-narrative, scrutinize your own story. And what you're saying, Sineo, is our story only works in a certain context. Well, that should cause us to scratch our heads and go, "Hmm, it only works in this context with these people in this kind of system." Then it may not hold as much water as you think it holds.
1: Exactly. And and that's why when I when I went to Ghana for the first time, I was surprised and shocked, pleasantly surprised, um, and saddened that it took me flying 7,000 miles to feel at home in the city, you know, to feel at home, you know, where I live in the city I was born in. And like right, the weather of San Francisco and its subclimates are is really allegory for the socioeconomic climate, right? Like the extremes are so close together that everyone is looking at the averages right so it doesn't seem so bad cuz it's not really cold right and it's not really hot right they're not everyone's not really poor right and they're not really rich right cuz they're just all on top of each other They say well this they don't have it so bad and they they, they don't have it so good that i don't like that i can't see like where the injustice is and and everybody's just just Throw in a hoodie and say, Well, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, I'm not too uncomfortable.
2: I hear you. I hear you.
0: I just got to shake my head. For those that are listening, this is episode 35. We're 35 weeks down. It is February 3rd. We are with Steve of Kingdom Rice. And the thing is, I had to shake my head. Because nothing speaks to what was just said and all of it for me personally. Right. For me to be just be selfish, just to, to see maybe this, maybe it ain't going to hit nobody. Nobody going to feel it. But for me, the thing that it makes me think about is when I look up in these overarching branching systems that we have and I look to the people that should be guides. And then I got to look at where they come from. And they don't come from where I come from right? They came here for many reasons, right? Like what, I, what I've said, I don't know if I said it so much in this podcast, but I, I'll say it right now just to bring it up again. Two of the biggest industries that San Francisco has, one is tech. The other is nonprofit, right? And the thing is, is people don't really associate San Francisco with nonprofit as a nationwide narrative. It is a very it's a very specific culture and a community that understands and really gets what that means to be a nonprofit hub. There's so many people who travel from all over the country, let alone the world, just as it is in tech to do it in nonprofit, right? And it's because of that same narrative we brought up earlier around that liberal, forward-thinking, progressive identity of wanting to help others, not realizing who are you really serving? are you serving the community or are you serving your ego right are you serving this this dream ideal of who you are because how can you know what people really need or have needed if you weren't there to begin with right right you hear the conversations you go to school you get the degree and then you get the experience and then you say i'm going out west or i'm going to san francisco i'm going there right i want to be a part of the culture i want to be a part of the community and then when you get there you start to like implement your versions of what your communities were, your identities are, what your history is and your context. And then try to project that on the people that you're serving, right? And me being a person who's from here, and then I look up and I'm like, oh, I'm looking for people of color from San Francisco. Where y'all at? Uh, wait. And some of them are compromised. We'll leave that conversation for a different day. But the ones who aren't, They're hard to find. Why? Because they've created so many systems that have executed the plan on what, you know, ultimately racism has tried to do, which is create that division. Right. And we don't associate San Francisco with racism as much as we associate it with liberalism and the open identity of being who you are. But there is this increasingly most perverse level of indifference. And I just want people to really think about indifference, right? To hate means I have to put forth the energy. Indifference is almost to the point of saying you don't exist. And so, you know, by us being here and sharing this space and having a conversation of reflecting on implicit bias, I just have to say that to the people who want to be a part of the community, who are trying to support the community, really understand what the community is before you decide to speak up and be a part of it and try to lead the community. Because I, I I don't care how long you've been here. If you ain't been here since the beginning to really have a foundational footprint of me as a child who's depending, who's dependent, who's relying on all of these different things beyond just my family. It's my school. It's the network. It's the system. It's the this is the corner. It's the corner store. It's the gas station. It's everything, right? Please understand what that means. Really try to listen. Really try to take it in, because what y'all got going on right now, as great as it is, as nice and as appreciative as I can be. That ain't it. So, you know,
1: I want to give Steve, Steve the last word
0: before, before we get out of here. Steve, by all means, take it away.
2: The last word. We are not as strong as we think we are. Stuff was happening before we even got here. That's what I hear you saying. And we need to honor that and find our role, roll up our sleeves. You know, we know nothing until we get into the trenches with other people. Because even even folks who identify with my faith, we've not done a good job of identifying um, what's happened before us. We just plop down, pretend nothing's happened, and we think we're going to, Save everyone. saver complex. Who's that about? But we have a responsibility and that's what we've been talking about. So appreciate you guys. It's been a very honoring, uplifting time. I've had a great ride. Look forward to doing this again.
1: Yes, sir. We can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate you.
0: Yeah, most definitely. It is, it is much appreciated. It is much honored. I, I am thankful. I was able to have and share the space with you and to be able to share your energy because it is definitely like it's been necessary for me. I'm hoping it's necessary for those that have the chance to listen. For those of you who don't get to catch the recording. Right. We do this. Um, I don't know if we got any ticker symbols or anything we want to put on the bottom of uh, what it is right now. But it is, you know, this is the lyrical ones podcast. This is episode thirty five. We are with Steve Hong of Kingdom Rice. And, you know, it was a conversation about faith, about life. And, you know, if you want to be able to get connected, uh, if people want to get connected to Kingdom Rice, where can they go? Steve, where can people go? Uh,
2: Chat, one of you guys can stick it wherever it needs to go.
0: So KingdomRice.org for yep. those, you know, it's plain spelling Kingdom Rice, right? You don't get it confused. Kingdom, K-I-N-G-D-O-M, Rice, dot org O-R-G. If you want to get connected to find out more information and get involved, that is a way for you to get in part of, you know, what it is that's going on in terms of creating that space for, you know, acceptance of healing of faith. And, you know, I just think that uh, most importantly, it's just it's necessary right to have those spaces for healing, those spaces for love. And it's on the screen. But again, that's KingdomRice.org. Right. It's it really doesn't get no more simple than that. So um, like we like to do at this time. If I can figure out how to do at this time, given all that's going on is, uh, you know, oh, my God, like I'm looking right now. and I'm like, there is so much going on on my phone that I'm like, uh, where do you begin? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, this is all good because we here right now.
1: Black History Month is every month. Asian History Month is every month. Latino History is every month. Asian History, you know. Happy Lunar New Year. Friday the 12th. Next week. Gear up. Year to Ox. We out here.
2: One. 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 One.
0: One. 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 Thank you.